Everybody on your feet. Sing with me this classic, classic song of worship. If you don't know it, you'll pick it up real fast. And if you know the motions, do them with me, all right? Zacchaeus was a wee little man, and a wee little man was he. He climbed up in the sycamore tree, for the Lord he wanted to see. And as the Savior passed that way, he looked up in the tree, and he said, Zacchaeus, you come down, for I'm going to your house today, for I'm going to your house today. Give yourselves a hand. You can be seated now. Some of you who were not raised in Sunday school are looking around like these people are idiots. <clears throat> the way we teach the Bible to our children, turn to Luke chapter 19, and we are going to look at Zacchaeus. I'll explain the stool in just a minute. Those of us raised in church, it, it just comes right back to you, don't you? Yeah. You haven't sung that song in 30 years, some of you. Long, yeah, longer, true. Good point. Luke chapter 19, I just want to read the passage and then make some comments on it and then uh, to help us unfold what God is, I think, speaking in this passage. Luke chapter 19, verse 1. Jesus entered Jericho and was passing through. A man was there by the name of Zacchaeus. He was a chief tax collector and was wealthy. By the way, notice chief tax collector. He wasn't, um, he wasn't low on the tax collecting pyramid scheme. He was, uh, he was high. He was high in the multi-level marketing scheme. He would have been driving the pink Cadillac. Um, he, was, he was high on the Amway chart, um, and he was wealthy. He wanted to see who Jesus was, but being a short man, a wee little man, he could not because of the crowd, so he ran ahead and climbed a sycamore tree, fig tree, to see him since Jesus was coming that way. I think I skipped a passage. Can you go back one? I got a little tricky. When Jesus reached the spot, he looked up and said to him, Zacchaeus, come down immediately. I must stay at your house today. This is a remarkable, remarkable idea that Jesus would look and see this chief tax collector, this publican, this sinner, and say to him, not only come down, but I must stay at your house today. So he came down at once and welcomed him gladly. The people saw this. They were so thrilled that Zacchaeus came to know the Lord that they all celebrated. No, no, no. All the people saw this and began to mutter, he has gone to be the guest of a sinner. But Zacchaeus stood up and said to the Lord, Look, Lord, here and now I give half of my possessions to the poor. 
And if I've cheated anybody out of anything, I will pay back four times the amount. I'm going to comment on these a little later, uh, but just to give you an idea that uh, giving half of your wealth away was way above and beyond. Even the most generous people in the days of Judaism would give 20%. And if you had stolen, if you had um, committed fraud against people, then you were required or thought of to double the money back. But to give four times the amount back was just unheard of. This is, this is a, so far beyond what is expected. Jesus said to him, Today salvation has come to this house, because this man too is a son of Abraham. For the Son of Man came to seek and to save what was lost. This is a great, great story. It is more than a children's song. It is, it's got the depth of what Jesus can do in people's hearts and in, in their lives. Um, and I, I want to comment on it, but I want to get a lead into it. So here's what we're going to do. I want to go back to chapter 18. And I'm going to lead in from chapter 18 because there are three other narratives that take place within chapter 18 that I think culminate in what happens with Zacchaeus. So Zacchaeus is going to be, we're starting a section of the book of Luke where we're going to talk about people. But really, the last person that Jesus confronts or has an encounter with in the book of Luke prior to his arrest, when he encounters some other people, but prior to his arrest is Zacchaeus. But what happens in chapter 18, I think, builds into it to show us the miraculous work that the Savior can do in a person's life. Are you with me? You understand? So going back to 18, one of the first narratives in chapter 18 is where the children are pressing in to see Jesus. And, and the people, the, the leaders, eh, keep the kids back. Keep the kids back. I, we, you know, this is adult stuff. You know, I found myself saying that again this week. Um, we've had our grandkids all week. Yes, all week. <laughs> so... Um, and Kathy does the lion's share of the, the work, but something would happen, and, uh, and my grandson, it doesn't matter. If you show him a picture of anything, anything, like um, something happened, and, and uh, oh, I know what it was. I, I was wearing, I have these socks, and you all have socks, right? It's not that unusual. My socks are like, um, they're National Park socks. They're my favorite. I love them. I've got like four or five pair from national parks that I've been with, been to. So one of them was of Yellowstone, and they're real colorful. So my grandson was saying to me, ooh, Poppy, your socks have a rainbow on them. And I, you know, want to be teach, you know. I said, well, actually, it's not a rainbow. It's the prismatic springs in Yellowstone. <laughs> Can you say Prismatic. I didn't even try, blah, blah, blah. you know, it just, it wasn't coming out. So I said, here, let me show you a picture of when Poppy and Uncle Adam went there. So I show him a picture of uh, me and Adam at 
Prismatic Springs, and every picture like that, he's like, I want to go there. I want to go there with Poppy. And I'm like, oh, buddy, we'll go. How can you say no, right? There's something about the heart of a child. And Jesus recognizes the children are pressing in to be close to him. And the adults are keeping them away. And he says, look, let the, I'm sorry, I'm not sure what's going on, but back up one. Um, He says, let the little children come to me and do not hinder them for such, for the kingdom of God belongs to such as these. I tell you the truth. Anyone who will not receive the kingdom of God like a little child will never enter it. I want to go there. I mean, it's that kind of heart. I want to go there like a little child. We try to make it so complicated, don't we? Make it so hard. You got all these hoops you got to jump through. You got to do this. You got to do that. You got to go around here. You got to go. But there's something about the kingdom that God is saying. Jesus is saying, look, just like a little child. You want to go there. Come. Come. The very next account, the opposite end of the spectrum is confronted. Jesus confronts. It's the rich young ruler. So you've got the children who just want to come to Jesus. And he says, you've got to have the heart of a child. The next thing is, you have this rich guy who wants to come to Jesus. Or basically says, what do I, what do I need to do to enter the kingdom? And Jesus says to him, seeing into his heart, you've got to, you've got to get unload the thing that is hindering you from coming into the kingdom. In other words, to get the heart of a child, you've got to get rid of the wealth that is now, I am paraphrasing a little bit, but Jesus sees into his heart and tells him to get rid of, go sell all you've got and give it to the poor. And the guy goes away sad because he was very wealthy. Now, I I preached on money the last two weeks. So in case you're wondering, where does all this stand in that, go listen to those two. But here's what Jesus says. How hard is it? is it for the rich to enter the kingdom of God? Indeed, it is easier for a camel to go through the eye of a needle than for a rich man to enter the kingdom of God. Now, here's what's remarkable. Right before, he says, unless you're like a child and have the heart of a child, you can't enter the kingdom. Now he's saying it's hard for a rich guy. It's like a camel going through the eye of a needle for a rich man to enter the kingdom of God. We got it met, we got it backwards, right? We like, okay, let's go for the beautiful people. If we really want to do church, we need to go after the beautiful people. Now, I'm not saying the beautiful people don't need Jesus, but there's a there's an there's a thing here that says it prevents them from coming into the kingdom and that is their the hold wealth has on their heart. And just in case you're wondering, you're all beautiful people. In the world's eyes, you have so much money. You may be saying, no, Pastor, I really don't. Look, look, if you travel the world, you'll come back and you'll realize, I have so much. And is my so much 
keeping me from pressing into God's kingdom? Is it keeping me from really giving my heart away to what Jesus wants? Now, just to throw this in, the disciples, all their lives, they're Jewish, right? The disciples, they're all Jewish. So in Judaism at the time, prosperity was seen as a sign of God's blessing. If someone was prosperous, then God, they must have been living a good life. And God is blessing them. And therefore, that's why they have prosperity. Things don't change that much, people. We have the same kind of hookups today in, in, in our head. But they had it too. So they're like, wait a minute. If a rich guy can't get saved, because God's blessed him and he's prosperous, he must have been living a right life. If, if a rich guy can't come into the kingdom, what hope do we have? That is their line. If he can't get in, how can we get in? Because they've got their how do we get in line all mixed up. And Jesus says to them, what is impossible with men is possible with God. He's basically saying again, everything's possible with God. Yeah, it's a camel going through an eye of a needle sounds impossible for men. But everything is possible with God. Jesus leaves. He teaches his disciples. There's a teaching section inter, intermixed here. And then at the very end of chapter 18, there's one third narrative before we get to Zacchaeus. And it's the blind guy. As Jesus is traveling into Jericho, a blind man hears that Jesus is coming by. And he starts screaming at him. You know, Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. Have mercy on me. And, um, you know, people are trying to keep him quiet. It's kind of like the kids. Let's keep the blind guy, the blind beggar who has nothing, out of, out of the way. This is going to mess up the whole parade we got going into town with the blind beggar if Jesus stops. But Jesus does stop and basically says to him, what do you, wanna, what do you want from me? Isn't that interesting? I, I love the way Jesus just stops and... There's the power in verbal confession. In case you ever wonder, we'll do a whole lesson on this someday, but there's power in verbal confession. I want to see. And he says, receive your sight. Your faith has healed you. Is that really true? You know, do you ever look at a passage, did his faith, it seemed like Jesus healed him. But his faith in Jesus healed him. Immediately, he received his sight and followed Jesus. He became an immediate follower of Jesus, praising God. And when all the people saw it, they also praised God. So you have these three different accounts. Children, you've got to be like a child to enter the kingdom of God. It's hard for a rich man to enter the kingdom of God. And now a blind man is healed because of his faith, and he follows Jesus praising him. And then the very next verse is Zacchaeus. What does this tell us? These narratives and this climax, so to speak, in the story of, of Zacchaeus. And this is the way I want you to read the scripture, people. You may be like, well, that was really interesting the way he backed up and got into the story of Zacchaeus. But uh, really, I'm trying to help us all to read the scripture in a way that that 
is, is bigger than just pulling out a story. I could have pulled out the story of Zacchaeus, and it's good on its own. But it's even better when you put it in the context of where Jesus is leading, where Luke is leading us up until this point. And here's what I, I think he's, he's trying to tell us. We are all broken. We're all broken. There's not a one of us that isn't. I mean, even the people looked at Zacchaeus and they said, this guy's broken. He's a sinner. Now, you know what the difference is? They recognized the sin in him, but not in themselves. And as a result, they called him a sinner. But what the stories are trying to teach us, the accounts the, of who Jesus comes we're all broken. The children need Jesus. The rich man who looks prosperous needs Jesus. The blind man needs Jesus. The, the tax collector needs Jesus. We're all broken, people. Here's the difficulty in uh, Christianity is at times not recognizing our universal condition. Sometimes, and it always scares me just a little bit, when kids go to church and are raised in church and hear all the Bible stories, I, I, I don't know any, I think it's great and it's awesome. But at times, all we do is raise up little Pharisees who think that because they know the stories in the scripture, that they know Jesus. And you can go to church for years and years and years and learn all the stories and do all the stuff and never know this Jesus but it begins with recognizing your universal condition. And what is it? As it is written, there is no one righteous. Not even one. By the way, I'll try not to back up and preach all of Romans 1, 2, and 3. I do it all the time because I love it. But he has spent three chapters getting to the point where he wants you to totally understand that there's no one righteous. Not even one. And I, I want to encourage you today to, if you've never really been here, to recognize your broken condition. Because what happens, I think, is it, it's not the people who are really, it's not being too bad that keeps us from the kingdom. It's being too good. It's, it's thinking that we're too good. I've got it all in order. I've got it, you know, that, that why, is he, why is he with those sinners? Listen, the people who are really screwed up, they recognize their screwed upness. And they know, I, got, I need something. I need Jesus to rescue me here. Yesterday, uh, Dave and I went on our usual little seven-mile walk run. That's the way it's turned out these days. We gotta take our time. It's more of a social occasion. Went on a run, and uh, Larry had to loan me some hedge clippers, so I had to finish with these hedge clippers yesterday. I got home. I'm doing some stuff in the backyard. I get up on the roof of my house because um, there's a, a tree that's um, the limbs have grown really long, and it's you know the storms the other night were making it sound like there were people running across my roof. And I know that's not good for your shingles, so you should get them off. So I'm up there clipping it. I got a saw. And about halfway through the sawing, I felt really bad, like really nauseous, and really, all of a sudden, really lightheaded. 
Now, I'm thinking fainting on the edge of my roof is not the best place to go down. Not, that's just me. You know, I don't know about what you think, but I'm thinking that at that point, it's, it's not a good thing. So I did what any person would do. I laid down. <laughs> I'm just laying on the roof now. Kathy and the grandkids are out in the backyard playing. They're watching me. They're yelling, Poppy, what are you doing? What are you doing? And then all of a hear somebody say, Poppy, where are you? <laughs> and, and then Kathy's like, uh, Bart, where are you? I don't feel very good. I'm just going to lay down for a minute. On the roof? <laughs> yes, on the roof. It probably... About 10 minutes in, I was like, Jesus, help me get off this roof. And he did. I got off the roof, and then 30 minutes later, the dams burst, and I was like really sick. Really sick. And I don't know where I got all of this. So if I don't hug you today, feel blessed <laughs> that I'm not, because I don't want to bless you with whatever somebody blessed me with. Look, at that moment, I recognized I need help to get off this roof. I knew, I knew the grandkids, nor Kathy, was getting up there to help me. And at some point, Jesus gave me enough strength to at least get all my tools off the roof. So, Larry, your stuff is not on my roof. It's, in the, it's, it's down there. We need to recognize our unrighteousness and the truth that the wages of this unrighteousness is it's death. It's death. But the gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. He brought it. He provided it. But the first place to start is your recognition that you were broken. I've never met an altogether person who came to know Jesus. I, I, they just I've never met one. Who said, I, I've got it all together. I don't need anything. No, just Jesus sounds good. No, there's something about you have to be broken. Here's the second point. And this is really good news. If I were to just leave you in your brokenness, wouldn't that be horrible? If I were to leave you on the roof of your house with no help? But... We can all be changed. We can be transformed. Zacchaeus stood up and said to the Lord, Look, Lord, here and now I give half of my possessions to the poor. And if I cheated anybody out of anything, I will pay back four times the amount. Jesus said to him, Today, Salvation has come to this house because this man, too, is a son of Abraham. Now, you may be saying, wait a minute, I don't see, I, I don't see a sinner's prayer anywhere in this. I don't see it, but Jesus sees it. You know, Jesus sees what he's doing is not trying to win the favor of Jesus. There's something that's been changed in his heart that allows him to now say, I'm going to give. I'm going to give half of my stuff to the poor. I'm going to give whatever I've cheated people out of. I mean, this is a dramatic change from a guy who really is at the top of the pyramid scheme. There were three different tax regions in 
um, the Israel area. And the Jericho province was the most profitable. Um, Jericho was at a trading route. Um, it was coming through. And really what Zacchaeus did was people collected taxes. They gave them to Zacchaeus. He gave to the Romans. It's like everybody pays it up. I guess the pinnacle of the pyramid would be Rome, but Zacchaeus is right there. He's the chief tax collector. So he's making money off all the other tax collectors who are making money. This is a side point. Do you think he knew Matthew? I mean, it couldn't have been a big community, right? All the different tax collectors that he knew Matthew. And I find it fascinating that it's not Matthew who reports this story. It's, it's Luke. I don't know anything why. I have no explanations, just a point of interest. Maybe I'm still delirious from my sickness yesterday. I just find it fascinating. Anyway, he says, Today salvation has come to this house because this man, too, is a son of Abraham. Who is really a son of Abraham? That's really the question coming here. Who is really? Who are the people of God? And he's declaring Zacchaeus has come to know and he really is a son of Abraham because he recognizes who I am and as a result, his heart has been changed. I mean, we have to recognize that we've all sinned and fall short of the glory of God. Again, if that were the end, this would be a sad story. Zacchaeus came down at once and welcomed Jesus gladly into his heart. You know, he just went on a viewing tour. I just want to see this Jesus guy. I've heard a lot about him. So he climbed up in the sycamore tree. The wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus, our Lord. You can be changed. You may be sitting here today and you've gone to church your whole life, but you've never opened your heart to say, I want to receive this Jesus you're talking about as the one who rules my life and forgives my sins. I want to be born again, just like Nicodemus said, how do I enter the kingdom of God? You've got to be born again. What does it mean to be born again? It means to receive Jesus as the one who forgives your sins and leads your life. You can do that. Every single person here today is either in a state of brokenness or has been changed. Those are the two conditions. You may be deceiving yourself about your condition. I'm not broken. I'm not changed. I'm somewhere in the middle. No, you're not. You're either broken or you've been changed. The good news is that Jesus came to seek and to save that which was lost. And as a result, we are all to become seekers. Now, in our day and age, the term seeker has come to mean those who are seeking Jesus. Right? If you, right? Do y'all not know this? Or have I just lost you? Um, in in seeker-friendly churches, the idea is we invite people in who are seekers in order to find Jesus, which I think is a great 
idea. We all are seekers. And so if we're all broken, we need to be seekers seeking after God. And Jesus came to seek and to save that was, was lost. But I want to flip it just a little bit and say this. We are all to become seekers, not seekers of God, but seekers of the lost. Jesus has given us this mission. He came to seek and to save that which was lost. In turn, we are to seek and to save that which was lost. Too often in church, we think, I've got mine. Now, I just need to live where I don't screw things up. And then I'll either die and go to heaven or Jesus will come and snatch me out of here. And I want to say, no, there's more for you to be left here than that. And one of the reasons Jesus has left you here is because he wants you to do, he wants you to do what is impossible with men. He wants to use you as an impossibility seeker to find those who don't know Jesus, the Zacchaeuses of our day. The people who, the blind guys, the, the people who don't know him. I mean, think about this. One chapter earlier, Jesus says it's harder for a rich guy to go through the eye of a needle, uh, to come into the kingdom, than for a camel to go through the eye of the needle. And then within one chapter, he's got a rich guy coming into the kingdom. Because what's impossible with men is possible with God. Zacchaeus is the example that a rich guy can come in. Why? Because Jesus can transform anyone. We too are to be seekers of those who don't know Jesus. And he has committed to us the message of reconciliation. We are therefore Christ's ambassadors as though God were making his appeal through us. I love this verse for so many reasons. You know, you are the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. This is a longer passage that has so much wealth in it. But within the context of we have been reconciled, we are now people who carry that message of reconciliation to the world around us. You are to be seeking and saving that which was lost. Here's what I want you to do. On just this piece of paper somewhere, right now. Someone in your life needs Jesus. Someone you know needs Jesus. You can pick the person who's close to you, like a, a relative or a friend or somebody like that. But I want to encourage you to do this. Pick the hardest one. Who's the person you would say, no, nah, I don't think so. I don't think they can come to Jesus. Pick them. <laughs> Write their name down and start praying for them. Start praying that God would send ambassadors. God would send seekers. God might send you to share with them this message. Because you don't know when salvation will come to their house, when the camel will go through the eye of the needle, 
When the impossible with men becomes possible with God. When someone who was broken is now made new and has eternal ramifications because they are now too a son of Abraham. They were a follower of Jesus Christ. Write their name down. And then just save in your Bible. Start praying for them. Consistently pray for them. That God would lead them to know. And if you're here today and you would say, you know what? I'm not sure I know. Hey, this could be the day of salvation. This could be the day when God touches your heart and your life is changed forever. He's not going to probably tell you to sell half of what you've got. He'll speak specifically to you about the things that have ownership of your heart that you need to see changed. But just be sensitive to what he's speaking. But begin to pray so that we too can become seekers. Lord, we thank you right now. We, I, I want to pray first of all for anyone who's here who may not know you, Jesus, as the Lord and Savior of their lives. I pray that God, you would, Spirit of God, you would draw them to the name of Jesus, that you would touch them, that you would lead them to receive Jesus as the one who forgives their sins and rules their lives. This can be the day of salvation. This can be the day when Jesus comes into their heart, their home. Lord, I pray for those of us who do know Jesus already, but have kind of short-circuited our purpose and our destiny and are not seeking as we should, seeking those who are lost, not being your ambassadors, spurring us, not out of guilt here today, Lord, but out of passion and power to be your ambassadors everywhere we go. Lord, we thank you. And bless you in Jesus' name. Amen. All right. What we're going to do is uh, please stand up. And you know, Pastor Bart said earlier in the message, there's power in verbal confession. So we're going to do that together right now. We're going to do a, a confession together as the people of God. I'm standing down here so that you can see uh, the screen behind me. Um, we're going to confess our brokenness corporately. Um, and then, but we're not just going to stay there. We're going to um, approach the all-sufficient Trinity triune God of the Bible. And then after that, um, we're going to enter into a time of, of ministry time. So I want to give our, our ministry teams, if you're here today, be ready. In just a, just a minute, I'm going to call you up, and we're going to have a time of ministry to close out. So um, I'm going to read the part on the screen where it says leader, and then everyone together is going to read where it says everyone. Father, we come to you. Because you are the God who fights for us. We confess that sometimes we make idols out of our success. So we are crushed when success doesn't come. Yet with faith we confess. Our flesh and our hearts may fail. But God, you are the strength of our hearts and our portion forever. Jesus, where we have failed, you have succeeded on our behalf. You are our undefeated champion and the embodiment of God's grace. We want to embrace his grace and our failures. And with faith, we confess our flesh and our hearts may fail. But God, you are the strength of our hearts and our portion forever. 
Holy Spirit, even when we are weak, you are powerful within us. Help us to receive the gift of our limits so we can lean on you. We work hard knowing that it is not us, but the grace of God inside us. So with faith, we confess our flesh and our hearts may fail. But God, you are the strength of our hearts and our portion forever. Amen. Part of our liturgy here at Phonus, what we like to do on a regular basis is we believe in the power of prayer. And so I want to ask our ministry teams, if you are an official trained ministry team here at Fullness, please come. And um, I'd like to ask for a couple to be up here on the front, a couple over here on this side. Uh, it also be great if we could get one or two in the back um, to get people to, to spread out. And uh, come and bring your needs, your brokenness uh, to the Lord, whether you have need for healing, whether you have need for um, direction or wisdom in your life, or um, you just need someone to stand in the gap for you, please come and, and just briefly, briefly tell them um, what you need prayer for. They'll spend a, just a, a few minutes praying for you, interceding on your behalf, and then um, then clear out and, and give other people room to come and receive prayer. And uh, if you're not needing to come and get prayer, don't disengage. Stay engaged. Um, Craig's going to continue to lead us in a time of worship. So um, let's just keep focus on the King Jesus um, as we as we do this. So come and get prayer right now. This is my desire to honor you Lord, I give 
Oh, 